All right, I want to get this out of the way up front. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about money, okay? So I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you up front. Now, don't tune me out yet, okay? Don't tune me out yet. Um, because we're going to talk about the spiritual habit of giving. And, and, and I have a hope for this morning. So I know when the pastor gets up and talks about money, we kind of have a tendency to just turn down the volume uh, and not listen. But here's the deal. So my, my hope this morning is to talk to you about giving from a completely different perspective than you have ever heard it before. Now, that, that, that's, that's promising a lot. I don't promise we're going to get there, but that is my hope. That's my goal. And so this morning, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about giving from, from kind of the upper story perspective. And, and my, my hope is that if we get it, I, I really believe that it can transform the way that we think about giving altogether. It can actually transform the way that we receive uh, messages about giving those kind of things, and so I, I think I think it has the power to to really bring about some positive change in our lives. So join me in a word of prayer, and uh, let's ask that God would would bless this. Okay, Father, uh, we come before you this morning just wanting to um, worship you. It's what we've been singing about. We've been singing about worshiping worshiping you, lifting up your name. And that's why we've come here this morning. We didn't come here out of habit, and if we did, Lord, convict our hearts. Lord, we came here. Because we want to declare that you are God. We want to proclaim that you are the creator of everything, including us. And we want to rightly worship you as such. Father, we we ask that you would forgive us for all the times that we do not. And worship you the way that we ought to. Holy Spirit, we want to invite you into this sacred space now. And we ask that you would come and be our teacher and our guide. We pray this morning that you would come and that you would exalt and lift up um, Jesus Christ uh, before us and that Jesus, um, that you would speak to us so clearly, that we would see you so clearly that we would want to be conformed into your image and your likeness, that we would want to leave ourselves behind and press into you and that we would leave changed um, and transformed because of what you do here in our midst. And so uh, be honored. Father God, as, as we seek to worship you now through the study of your word and change us from the inside out, in Jesus' name we ask these things, amen, amen. So let's start here with a question this morning. Um, what would you do today if I gave you $10,000? Seriously, just think about it. I, I mean, I brought my wallet. Uh, there's not $10,000 in it, but if, if I had $10,000, I've, I've got like forty-five. is that good? Uh, if, if I had $10,000 to give you today, in this very moment, answer the question right now in your heart, in your head, what would you do with $10,000 if you had it today? If you had it today. If you had $10,000 today just handed to you, what would you do with it? Would you, would you put it into to savings? Would you put it into retirement? Um, would you invest it into your children's uh, college, into your future? Would you go on a vacation um, what, what, what would you do with it? Would you go on a shopping spree? Because here's the deal. How you answer that question actually helps bring to light deep-seated motivations that you're probably unaware of in your life. And those deep-seated motivations of how we would answer that $10,000 question have a huge impact on our spiritual walk with God. And so this morning, I, I hope to, to get to the, the depth of some of those deep-seated motivations now, most of you have heard a sermon or two or 20 
on, on giving or on tithing. Amen? How many of you have heard, you, you're like, I've heard at least 20 sermons on tithing. Now, if, you, if, you, if you're here at this church, you, you'd actually be shocked. We rarely ever talk about it uh, in, in a sermon. It's just, we don't do it a lot, and that's not intentional. It's just the text drives us, and so we talk about it uh, at the proper time um, during the offering. But, but uh, my hope this morning is I want to bring, um, now if you've heard it, you've probably heard these sermons, by the way, right? Uh, Malachi, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Um, you've heard uh, the first fruit offering. This should be a first fruit offering. You've probably heard that. You may be, have even heard that, test me in this, right? God, test me in this and see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven. And, and so we've kind of heard those sermons. Uh, this morning, like I said, I, I want to do this from a completely different perspective. So we're going to start way, way, way up here. And, and here's the first point I want you to understand. Because if we don't get this, we, we can't understand uh, why we, we give even. So here's the first thing I want you to understand this morning. Ready? According to the Bible... Everything belongs to God, therefore, he alone should be worshipped, okay? Everything belongs to God, therefore, he alone should be worshipped. Now, I, we're going we're gonna to study the Bible together, and so I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 24. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 24, then we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, then we're going to be in Exodus uh, 20, okay? Those are the three places you have to go. I'm telling you up front, so don't, don't be flabbergasted when I tell you to turn, okay? So we're going we're to start Psalm 24, then we're going to f- go to 1 Corinthians 10, which quotes Psalm 24, and then eventually we're going to end up in Exodus chapter 20. Those are the three places I'll ask you to turn. So Psalm 24, um, starting in, in verse 1, and I put verse 1 up on the screen for you, right? Uh, verse 1 of Psalm 24 declares, The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, belong to the Lord, Right? The the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, belong to the Lord. For he laid its foundations on the seas and established it on the rivers. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord, David asked. Who may stand in his holy place, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not appealed to what is false, and who has not sworn deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who inquire of him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. And it goes on, lift up your heads, uh, you gates, rise up, you ancient doors, then the King of glory will come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, lift up your gates, rise up, you ancient doors. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of armies. He is the King of glory. And, and so, uh, verse 1, a declaration, right? And, and, and the declaration is straightforward. Everything and everyone belongs to God. That's the declaration, right? Everything and everyone belongs to God. And, and, and then because everyone and everything belongs to God, David then goes on to contemplate, well, who can worship this God who owns everything? Who, who can stand before this God who, who made everything we see? And we don't, he begins to contemplate, man, what must a person be like in order to worship this God? God, right? So that's what we find in Psalm 24. Now, now flip with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and uh, as you turn there, I'll give you some backstory. We're going to start in verse 23, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And, and Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and specifically he's addressing Christians, and he's saying, like, like, this is what you need to be aware of when you eat meat that's sacrificed to idols in the presence of other people. Okay? He said, like, listen, God's over everything. You don't have to worry about it. But if you're in the presence of other people, you need to be aware of what they might be thinking. And so, uh, so I'm in verse 23. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On, on the night, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, that is verse 23 of 11. Um, I'm in chapter 10. Okay? It's not communion today. Um, 
They're both highlighted, okay? They're both highlighted in the Bible. My bad. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting verse 23. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything builds up. No one is to seek his own good, but the good of the other person. Eat everything that is solid, uh, or, or eat everything that is sold in the meat market without raising questions for the sake of conscience, since the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, okay? Now, that's, that's verse 26. I'll put that up on the screen, okay? That, that's quoting Psalm 24, which we just read, okay? It says, since the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. That's a quotation of Psalm 24. And, and so Paul's saying, like, eat, listen, eat whatever you want to because the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. And then verse 27, he says, if any of the unbelievers invites you over and you want to go, uh, eat everything that is set before you without raising questions for the sake of conscience. But if someone says to you, this is food from a sacrifice, do not eat it out of consideration for the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your own conscience, but the other person's. For why is my freedom judged by another person's conscience? If I partake with thanksgiving, why am I criticized because of something for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. All right? Let's recap this again. He quotes Psalm 24. Psalm 24 declares that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And, and then he ends up by saying, because, because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Verse 31, right? Uh, to whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Another way to say that is because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, worship God in all you do. Because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. All right? So here's our first point. This is where we begin when we try to wrap our minds around this thing called giving. We begin here with God. That's where you have to start. And so our first point, everything belongs to God. Therefore, he alone should be worshipped. He alone. That, that word alone is really important because here's our second point. Though everything belongs to God and he alone should be worshipped, we are prone to worship created things rather than the creator. Okay? So, so, Everything belongs to God. He made everything, including us. Therefore, He alone should be worshipped. But we are prone to worship the created things rather than our Creator. And, and listen, God is not surprised by this. God is not caught off guard by this. In fact, God knows this about us. He addresses this very early on in His Word. I'm, I'm now in Exodus chapter 20. If you want to turn there with me. Exodus chapter 20. God actually addresses uh, this, this waywardness of our heart to worship the created things rather than the creator. He, he addresses it all the way back in the Ten Commandments. So uh, I'm in Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to read verse 1 through 6. Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to read verse 1 through 6. It says, Then God spoke all of these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. It's kind of a reminder, I'm God, right? Then he says this in verse 3. Do not have other gods beside me. Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heaven above or the earth below or the waters under the earth. Do not bow in worship to them and do not serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for father's iniquity to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. God says, hey, I'm God, right? 
God, God says, hey, listen, I am creator of everything, including you, right? It's just a reminder of Psalm 24. God says, listen, I am the one that, that, that made Pharaoh let you go. That's his reminder. Before he delivers the Ten Commandments, he says, I am the one who, who, who brought the, the ten plagues. I am the one who parted the Red Seas. I am the one who led you out of slavery. He's saying, I am God. I am. Okay? He says, I, I, I am the capital G God, is what he's reminding his children of. He says, and, and therefore, because I am capital G God, you should not become infatuated with any of the world's lowercase g gods. You cannot bow down to them. You cannot worship them. You cannot settle for less than me, is what God is saying. Don't, don't set your hearts on the little g gods of this world. Don't make an idol for yourself. Don't bow down to the things you idolize. Don't serve them, because I am God. And I alone am to be worshipped. Should sound familiar. That's our first point. I've said it like 20 times now. You might be thinking to yourself, I think he's trying to drive a point home. Yes, you're correct. God says, I am God alone. I alone should be worshipped, okay? So, God addresses this thing called idolatry early on. He says, don't worship created things. Worship me, the creator. Don't bow down to idols, which begs the question, what's an idol? What's an idol? Uh, if you're looking for a great research, man, there is a book by Timothy Keller called Counterfeit Gods. It is off the charts. If you were going to read one book this year uh, that could radically transform your spiritual walk, I would recommend this book. So a huge part of what we're going to do in, in this one point is basically a summarization of his entire book. Um, so, so stick with me, all right? But it is, it, is, it is worth your time. It is worth your time. So here's how Timothy Keller uh, defines an idol. He says this. He says, an idol is anything more important to you than God. An idol is anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. An idol is anything you seek to give uh, you what only God can give. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give, that's an idol. It's, it's anything so uh, central and, and essential to life that if it was gone, life would feel like it wasn't worth living anymore. Right? An idol is that fill in the blank. Fill in the blank that we all too often live for, saying, man, if I just had this, then I would be secure. If I just had fill in the blank, then I would be happy. If I just had fill in the blank, then my life would have meaning. I listened to one of his Sunday night uh, sermons the other day, dropping the kids off from school, and he was actually talking about idols, and he, he quoted the, the, the movie Rocky. Do you remember Rocky? Rocky wanted to finish the fight, and he says... If I, can, if I can go all the way, then I'll know I'm not a bum. An idol is, is that fill in the blank that if you do it, if you have it, then you won't feel like a bum. It gives you significance. It's an idol, right? And what I'm going to submit to you today is, is that money... Um, better put the love of money, we, we call that greed. Greed is often the surface level idol that is attached to your fill in the blank that you're longing for. 
Greed is often the surface level idol that is attached to whatever you filled in the blank when I said, what would you do with $10,000? Whatever that, that deep motivation is, greed is usually attached to that in your life. And I call it surface level just because uh, the Bible um, declares what it is up on the surface. It's a, greed is, is an idol. Look at what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3.15, he says, Therefore put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. So Paul, like, like the Bible, just like, this, these, this is idolatry, okay? So the Bible calls it that, so I call it surface level, but the problem with it is though the Bible declares this is an idol, the majority of people don't see this in themselves. So it's only a surface level idol. The Bible calls it out, but we don't see it in ourselves. Do you know that people will come and confess all kinds of things to a pastor? They really will. I mean, people will come and, and confess to a pastor that they struggle with lust. They will come and, 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 and say that they're, they're unforgiving in their heart and they're, they're prone to holding grudges. They, they will come and, and confess that they judge other people and uh, they will confess that they are gossips. They will confess, even at times, believe it or not, that they're gluttonous, um, right? Like people will confess all those things. Do you want to know the conversation that never happens uh, with a pastor? I, I, I've never had someone come to me and say, oh, Pastor, I'm greedy. Never. And I'm going to tell you why. Because when it comes to money, when it comes to greed and our pursuit of money, um, we compare ourselves only to other people in our, our socioeconomic uh, class or to the class above us. We never compare ourselves to the class below us. And so, so what happens is we look at our lives and we look at our possessions and we look at the things that we have and then we look around at our friends and they seem to have um, e either as nice of things, if not nicer, and if they um, don't have nicer things, then we look up to the next class and we go, well, well, yeah, but I don't have any of that stuff. I mean, it, it's not like I'm driving around the newest car. It's not like my, my house is overly large. It, it, it's not like, and we begin to fill in the blank with all the things, yeah, I'm, I'm not, yeah, it's not that bad. I mean, I'm not like those guys. And the problem is we never look downward and say, yeah, but I'm better than 98% of the people in the world. Like we, we, don't, we don't look that way. We don't think about the people that are, are, are surviving on less than a dollar a day as we go get our fourth Starbucks. And we don't have that. That's not in it. So, so, here, so I, I say it's a surface level idol because the Bible declares it, but the truth is deep-seated. Like, like we don't see it. And here, to further complicate that, get this, um, greed is often only the front man for the deeper idols that affect our lives. Okay? And when I say the front man for the deeper idols, here's what I mean. How did you answer that $10,000 question? How did you answer it? Right? Did you say if I had $10,000 right now, it would, it would go into savings, it would go into retirement? Well, then perhaps the deep idol that truly controls your life, the reason that you pursue money in an unhealthy way is because you have a deep need for security, to feel safe. And you honestly believe that the more and more money you can store up, the better off you'll be if something happens, right? Friends, you should be sensing that maybe you're a little bit like the rich man that decided he was going to tear down all of his barns so that he could build a bigger one. Do you remember what Jesus said to him? He said, you foolish man, for this very night your life will be taken from you. You've put your hope in, 
and, and your trust and the, the wrong thing. Money's just the, the front man for that deeper need to, to feel safe. Maybe um, you, you said it was, it was college. I, I'd, I'd put it towards education. And then perhaps, perhaps that, that shows that you have this belief in knowledge, that somehow knowledge is, is the greatest thing that your kids could possess. And so maybe you want an Ivy League education for them where they can go and be informed by a whole group of instructors that don't believe that God exists. Great parenting. Right? Maybe even worse, maybe, maybe even deeper seated in you is a belief that education will lead to a better status in life. And that unlike what you struggled with as a child, your children will never have to struggle with that poverty line. That, 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 that they will improve generation after generation after generation, forgetting the words of Jesus when he says... It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Right? Maybe uh, you say vacation and, and there's some kind of deep-seated idol in you for, for rest. And, uh, maybe um, you said a shopping spree. And, 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 and the truth is, it's not just because you love things. It's because you use things to get other people's approval. And that's the deep idol in your life. And so you spend money um, to influence others, to make them like you. Maybe you use money to hold power over other people, right? See what I'm saying? Money or greed, it's usually just the front man for deeper motivations in our life. Now, I could go on and on. We don't have time for that. Uh, but I'll just tell you, go read the book, man. It is, uh, it's, it's, it'll keep you up, uh, but it's worth it. So for now, I, I just, I just want to park it here. Ready? Remember our first point, everything belongs to God, therefore he alone should be worshipped. Point number two, we are prone to worship created things rather than the creator. So we have a problem. We have a problem. Everything belongs to God, therefore he alone should be worshipped. We are prone to worship created things rather than the creator. We have a problem. And so God has a solution to that problem, and it's the gift of the church. And so uh, third point I want you to see is the church is a gift of grace from God to combat our idolatry. The church is a gift of grace from God to combat our idolatry. And this is the thought that I really pray is transformational for you today. I know it's a little different. You're saying, wait, I thought this was about giving. We're going to tie it in here in a second, okay? So stick with me. So the church is a gift of grace from God to combat our idolatry. To help us combat the idolatry in our life. And listen, the church is a gift in two ways, and they both have to do with a P word. Um, and, and so the first, is, is, uh, the first P word is, is preaching. Uh, the, the church is a gift from God because it is the place that the gospel is preached. Because it's the place that the gospel is, is preached. And, and this is a great means of grace to us. The only way to deal with the idolatry of our heart is to have our hearts changed through faith in the gospel. The only way that, that, that we can deal with our deep-rooted idolatry. And here's what the gospel says about Jesus in respect to riches. 2 Corinthians 8 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Let me explain that. Okay? That... Jesus left all that he treasured, he left all of that reward in heaven, and he stepped into humanity. He became poor so that you could become his treasure. 
He left his treasure so that he could make us his treasure. And to do that, he had to give everything up. He had to come to earth, he had to suffer, he had to bleed, he had to die. This is why the Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Listen. If Jesus stayed rich, we would have died spiritually poor. So Jesus gave up his treasure in heaven so that we might be his treasure. You see, the solution to the idol of greed can only be the generosity of Jesus Christ. Say that again. The solution to the idol of greed can only be the generosity of Jesus Christ. Idols cannot simply be removed. They must be replaced by something or someone more valuable. That's the first reason the church is a gift from God. <clears throat> to help us combat idolatry. Because the church preaches the gospel to us. That God loved us so much that he gave up everything. That he, he left the 99 so that we the one might be found and might be saved. It's the gospel. And we need it preached to us regularly, by the way. Regularly, because we forget. And so the church is a great gift there. But the church is not just a gift because it preaches the gospel. The church is a great gift of God to, to fight off idolatry because it gives us a place to practice the gospel. It gives us a place to practice the generosity of the gospel. So what do followers of God do when they realize that it is God, not their fill-in-the-blank, that is, is the ultimate treasure in life? What, what is the proper response to this understanding that God is the ultimate treasure in life? The understanding what Christ has given up for your sake. And, and the answer, of course, when we ask what is due His name, I think the only answer is, well, everything. If Jesus died for us, we should live for him, right? Practically speaking, does that make sense? Jesus gave up all of his treasure so that we could become his treasure. He died so that we should live for him. And, and um, we call that, the Bible calls that, making God, living for him, the Bible calls this, making him our first love. Making God our first love. This is what we find in, in Revelation chapter 2, right? When when the church in Ephesus is rebuked because it's forgotten its first love. Another way to say making God our first love is, 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 is uh, to talk about priorities, that we prioritize God, um, that we put God first, quote-unquote. Christians are very good at saying it. We're not so good at living it out. And, and so we're going to talk about priorities. That's something intentional that you put forth. Say, like, this is going to be who we are. This is going to be how we live. This is going to be what guides us as a family. This is going to be what... what, 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 what charts my course in life. And so uh, God says in his word, here, here's a test, ready, of your priorities. <clears throat> so here's the test. It's really cool. God says this test will test your heart and it'll test my hand. Just think through that. You may want to write that down. This test that we're going to do, it, it'll test your heart and it'll test God's hand, which is awesome. Because there's no other place in Scripture that it says you should test God. In fact, it says, do not put the Lord your God to a test. This is the one place God says, okay, test me. 
I'm going to test you, and in return, you get to test me. Ready? So, so I'm going to test your heart, you test my hand. And, 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 and here it is, ready? God says, give to me first. Give to me first, right? Give, give to me first, whether it's the Old Testament concept of the tithe, which, which is literally 10%, or it's the New Testament concept of giving generously. God says, give to me first, okay? Listen, I, I, I can't be contained in, in these man-made buildings and structures, right? I, I, I'm spirit, God says, but give... Um, me, the, the first fruits of, of your tithes, of your offerings, I want you to bring them to the people that oversee my house. That's, 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 that's what God says. I want you to bring to me these, these tithes, these offerings, these first fruits, and I want you to, I, here's where I'm going to collect them. You take them to the people that oversee my house, okay? In the Old Testament, we call this a temple. In the New Testament, we call this a church, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to bring it into the Old Testament storehouse in the New Testament church or ecclesia. And, and, and the point's really one and the same. God has provided a place for us to practice this generosity that we've received in Jesus. He's given us a place to, to bring a portion of all that he has given us as an act, and get this, as an act of what? Worship. It's an act of worship. What was our first point? Everything belongs to God. Therefore what? He alone should be worshipped. Everything belongs to God. Therefore he alone should be worshipped. And now God says, listen, I'm going to give you this very practical way to do this. And this very practical way to come and worship me is to recognize that everything belongs to me. That's what God says. I want you to recognize it all belongs to me, that everything that you have in your life, that everything that you have is actually my stuff that I'm letting you use. And so God says, here's a very practical way for you to worship me. I want you to bring your tithe, your offering, whatever you want to call it, whether your Old Testament 10%, your New Testament generosity. I want you to come and I want you to lay it at the feet of the people that are in charge of running my house. Okay? Because everything belongs to me. Now listen, when we do this, when we give to God, and we give to God through the church, uh, it does a lot of things, okay? Yeah, it funds all the local ministries the church does, right? So our tithes and our offerings, they pay the light bills here, uh, they pay for the, the water and the sewer and the trash, which people, which people keep filling up. Evidently, that's a community service now. That's okay. Um, you know, we're here to serve the community. Uh, and uh, it, it, it pays for pastor salaries, it pays for the money that um, those pastors uh, and ministers use to do ministry within the church. It funds all of our outreach. We fund our food pantry through your giving. Um, we give to the International Mission Board through your giving. Through your giving, um, we, we fund uh, Bible translation through rapid Bible translation in other parts of the globe. Um, we fund Faith Comes by Hearing through your giving. Uh, we, like, like, listen, it, it does amazing work both, both here locally. And uh, here locally, when we talk about Austin, um, your giving helps, helps plant new churches in Austin. We're talking about three new churches that are about to start right now. Um, like, like your, your giving has an impact. And it doesn't just have an impact here in Elgin, uh, but it also has an impact in Austin. It has an impact in the state of Texas. It has an impact in the nation. And it has an impact all over the world. And so, so those things happen that practically speaking, okay, those things happen. But more importantly, listen, when we give to God through the church, we rightly worship Him. 
We rightly worship. That's, that's the big picture, right? I mean, all that other stuff happens down here in, 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 in the lower story, but the upper story is that what we're doing is we're rightly worshiping God for who He is because He alone is God. He alone is creator of everything and He alone is to be worshipped. And so when we give to God like He has told us to, what we're doing is we're rightly worshiping God the way He says to be worshipped. And listen, it's a gift, Ready? Because God alone is worthy of worship. And when we do this, listen, it dethrones the treacherous idols of our heart. When God gives us a way to practically do this, what happens, right? Remember, what is, what is greed? It's the front man for the deeper idols. It's the front man for the deeper motivations. God says, listen, don't bow down to those things. We're prone to worship the created things rather than creator. God says, I alone am to be worshipped. We've got this battle going on back and forth in life. And so when we worship God, what happens is we, we come and we say, God, you're right and I'm wrong. God, I know your gospel. I've heard it preached. I know that you became nothing so that I could become something. I know that, Jesus, you left your treasure so I could become your treasure. I know that you de-elevated yourself so that you could elevate me. And it's only by your righteousness that I'm made righteous. It's only by your blood by which I am saved. Like, I confess that. And so in this moment, what happens is we come and we willingly now dethrone the idols of our heart the things that would tell us to bow down to them, the, the, the greed and, and the, 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 is the front man for our insecurity, for, for, for the, that idol of safety, for that idol of education, whatever that deep idol is. And so when we worship God through giving, we kick all those things to the curb and say, get out of here. This is God's place. This is God's place. He is who I live for. Does it make sense? Okay. Now, I don't know about you. I've never heard that sermon. Okay? So I hope it's helpful. Uh, I want to give you some application so you can go home and try to live out. And here's just three things that I would challenge you to do this week, okay? Number one, I think uh, before you get too far, you need to answer the $10,000 question. Real simple. We talked about this in staff, and somebody said, what's a $10,000 question? I said, well, you'll find out on Sunday. What would you do if you had $10,000 today? Because how you answer that is going to help reveal the deep-seated idols in your life. Not the surface-level stuff, the deep-seated stuff, the motivations behind uh, the way that you live, the way that you manage your money. There's something deep down there, I promise, that's, that's being a guiding hand. And that guiding hand is supposed to be God's hand, not fear, Right? Not a need for safety, not a need for socioeconomic status, not a need to control others. What is, what is the deep-rooted idol? So answer the $10,000 question, okay? That's step one. Okay, step two. And listen, I, I know you're like, well, we're all Christians here. I, 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 okay, Christians need the gospel preached to them daily. You should be preaching the gospel to yourself. And so here's the second thing I would tell you. You have to believe the gospel. Do you really believe... That God gave his everything for you. Do you believe that? That's a very quiet yes in church. I know it's early. Do you believe that God gave his everything for you? Yeah. If we believe that, it changes the way that we live. It changes the way that we live, okay? So, so we have to believe the gospel. And lastly, um, we have to apply that belief 
We have to apply that belief and we have to worship God through giving. Okay? Applying our belief in the gospel and giving rightly to God dethrones the idols in our life. It's what it does. It's what it does. Okay? It puts them in the rightful place. And and, and I want to be honest with you. Listen, uh, some of you are concerned about about your future. You're concerned about whether or not you have enough retirement to make it. And I, I get that. Okay? I understand. That's supposed to have a place in your life, but it's not supposed to be the place in your life. You follow me? It's supposed to have a place. It's not supposed to be the place. So what happens when you worship God through giving? You kick this thing to the curb, and it doesn't mean that it doesn't have a place. It has a place in your life. You still, you still think about it, but it doesn't consume your thoughts. Your thoughts are consumed with, how can I worship God, right? How can I love God more? What can, what, how, how can I show God that I trust him with my future, okay? It's a totally different way to think about life. Join me in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for loving us this morning. Um, thank you for an opportunity uh, here to just receive your word and uh, just to kind of soak it in. Just kind of soak it in. God, this morning, uh, I pray that we just pause for just a couple minutes in the midst of our busyness. And as Jacob uh, just plays, he just plays a little background music for us. I just want to have a season of prayer this morning. Just want to have a time that we confess this morning, any idols that we've been wrongly living for. And uh, it, 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 Lord, it's going to be private confession. Uh, it's not going to be public. We're not going to have a microphone up here for people to get up and to confess their sins of idolatry. But maybe it's with our husband, our wife, maybe as a family. Maybe it's just in our heart that we confess the fears that have been driving us to you right now. We just say, God, I didn't even realize that was an idol. God, I'm so sorry. This morning as a staff, uh, we prayed together. And I mentioned the Old Testament kings. Where the scripture says, and there was not another king like them. And and, and they all had one thing in common. One reason that they were listed as, as great faithful kings. It's because they took down the high places. They took down the idols. This morning, my prayer is that we would be those kind of faithful people. All of us. All of us. And so right now, where you are, would you just go before God and would you just recognize, God, I've got idols in my life. There are things I'm living for that aren't of you. I, 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 my, 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 my money, 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 greed, that's been the, the front man for these things that are deeper. And I'm tired of letting my life be driven by these fears. And so, so God, today, I'm going to elevate you to that place. I'm not just going to tear down things. I'm going to replace things. I'm going to put you in your rightful place. You're the only one that gets a high place in my life. You're the only one. Compared to you, the love I have for my spouse, the love I have for my kids, the way that I think about security uh, or a wall or politics or education, compared to you, nothing else can be called high. Nothing else. Because you and you alone are my high king. And so I'm giving you back the place that you deserve. God, forgive me. Help me today to get out the saw and to start cutting. 
And as these high places fall, you be exalted in my life again. You're my number one. God, right here, right now. Right here, right now. Going to build my life upon you. Upon your word. It's a sure foundation. I'm going to trust it today that you are God of everything. And because you own it all, you alone are worthy of worship. Forgive me for worshiping the created things rather than the creator. And help me now to worship you rightfully. Come and take your place again in my heart. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.